Thank you for joining us for Three Bees on the Law podcast, hosted by Trisha Barita, Camille Canali, and Susan Dawson. Disclaimer, this podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Also remember, laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you. Welcome back to Three Bs on the Law. So today we're going to be talking about performance improvement plans, or as lawyers and um, other HR professionals may call them, PIPs. And uh, really, you know, performance improvement plans um, are an interesting way for you to approach an employee that's having usually a series of performance issues, something that you think that you can actually improve versus a, a disciplinary form where, uh, in my opinion, I think is usually used where there really isn't sort of an improvement issue. You're just notifying them, hey, you're violating this policy. And, um, you know, if you continue to violate this policy, um, it could lead to termination. What do you guys think? Camille? Oh, so, well, I think that, you know, PIPs should be used when there are multiple disciplinary problems. And the hope is that when you have a PIP, you have multiple verbal that are documented in their file. You know, I'm a huge document, document, document fan, um, but also written disciplinary forms. And so that way, when you go to create the PIP, and Susan, I think, is going to talk in a minute about the contents of the PIP. Um, but so when you go to create the PIP, you already have a plethora of performance issues that need to be addressed, and you'll create the PIP to provide guidance to the employee on how to fix these problems. So Susan, how do you go about creating um, a PIP? Sure. Uh, so there's another, I agree with you about, about a number of infractions. Also, sometimes a PIP is used when an employee just simply is not performing to the level you wanted them to. You might not have a hard and fast performance or, or, or violation, but they're they're just not making it and you wanna give them an opportunity to correct. And so if whether you're going into this with a violation, uh, infractions of not following policy, uh, not meeting established set goals, or you're going into it with more of the employee just isn't, um, isn't meeting the standards that you were expecting, you want to make sure that you're setting out in the PIP, uh, you know, what have we what have we talked about before? When have we talked about this before? We've met and we've discussed it before. What are the areas in which you are failing to perform or which you are violating our policies? Uh, how is that impacting us? What is that? What is that um, doing? How is it affecting the, the team or the business or what have you? And then what is it that we need you to be doing over? You know, a period of time, um, we need you to show measured improvement to before, you know, we can release you from this PIP. So while that sounds like a lot, it might be very, very, very simple if you are a small company. And, you know, I'm not saying this has to be a huge, you know, five page long document with every, no, it can be very simple and very short, but you want to just make sure you're, you're addressing all of the areas. What do you guys think? Did I did I miss anything out? Do you have anything else that you put in your pips? I I think that um, I think yeah. It, for me, too, like there's an approach like of making sure that there's a real effort to see how to have the employee improve. If there's already kind of 
um, enough evidence that they're not going to be able to improve for whatever reason, then I, I think a performance improvement plan, you know, um, is kind of setting them up to fail. So, um, so if, if you can create that piece where you're talking about, and, and that's a great point, Susan, that whole, the required action, and it really be realistic of this is what you're expecting them to do. You set forth these expectations that they can meet these expectations and, and making sure that the expectations are, are realistic as to what it is that you're asking them to do. Um, because I've actually seen a lot of employees that are really not performing well at all. And the expectations were not communicated to them as maybe as well earlier. And when they have the PIP, they totally improve and they become you know much better employees. And, and the employers are often surprised by that because they're like, wow, you know, I'm really, I'm really, um, I'm really curious at, as to why that this, you know, basically worked. And sometimes it's just as simple as, you know, an employer has all these expectations and they, even though they gave the job description, the employee didn't fully understand them. And the PIP is that opportunity. So I like a, a really good communication, just like what you're talking about, Susan, so that it's real clear what the expectations are. When I see a bunch of vague stuff where an employer has drafted a PIP, and they're like, this is what I want to present. And I'm like, what are you actually asking them to do? You know what I mean? Let's get right down to, um, you know, the details of, of what you want to see. And then you ask them that and the employer often knows exactly what they want to see. They just maybe didn't communicate it again in the PIP. So that's kind of something that I really like to see in those. Right. And I also think a very important part of the PIP, and we've kind of um, talked about it a little bit. But I think that you need to give, not only do you need to tell the employee the areas of improvement that you want to see, but you have to have a conversation with them to discuss with them the tools that they need to meet the goal. I mean, you can't just say, I want you to increase sales. For example, if there you have a salesperson that's not meeting their sales goals, but you know, perhaps you want them to make 10 more sales calls a week, or you want them you know, to pick up the phone and cold call 10 people a week, but you need to give them the tools um, to meet your expectations. Otherwise, like Trisha said, you're potentially setting them up to fail and that's not fair either. And, you know, employee turnover is expensive. So you want to, if the person uh, is salvageable and can meet your company's expectations, why would you not give them that? Opportunity? I love that salvageable. <laughs> well, I think that leads right into Camille, the issue of how long, I mean, the realistic, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Camille? How long you give them is also important because in sales, I think is, a, is measurable. Are they getting the sales? And if you tell them how to do it, but some of these other pips where you're not dealing with the sales person, you're dealing with someone else. Um, if you don't give enough time, then you really can't give them the opportunity sometimes to improve. What are your thoughts on that, Camille? How long should it be? Well, it you know it, it depends upon what the expectation is. You know, for sales things, sometimes quarterly is what's reasonable. You know, you give them ninety days or one hundred and twenty days to improve their numbers because it takes ramp up time to do that. But if you have an employee that's chronically late and you've put them on a PIP for that, maybe you do it thirty days, you know, at a time. And if there's one more um, you know, tardiness or they don't come back for, you know, from lunch for two hours or whatever, you know, that may be it. So I think it really depends upon how long it's going to take to measure the goals that you've set for the employees. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that the key that we've said over and over on this is be reasonable and, and communicate, you know, properly, because I, I've seen, um, a lot of 
of HR professionals or, or, or in, you know, in-house HRs use these almost as a protection for the business against a potential discrimination claim. Um, whether or not there is, you know, maybe we've got an employee over the age of 40. And so we just want to be sure we gave them every opportunity, but then they gave them 20 days and that was not realistic. Right. And so it, it does not, it, that does not help because if you're being unreasonable in the document, then it's not going to protect you. But what you can do is is not, it doesn't have to be a flat set of days. It can be, we want to see this incremental change by 30 days and then an additional incremental change by six, right? Like you can ramp them up. And if they're showing in that first 30 days that they can't even meet that first level, well, then we can end it then, right? So that's one way to try to be more realistic. If, if they have to have a huge jump, you can show that we, we were looking for slow measured improvement, but they couldn't even meet the first hurdle. Yeah, I and so <laughs> that's a good point, Susan, because so like, because you're like, well, okay, so now I put them on this, I've given, now what happens? You know, if, if someone's listening to this and they've never really been successful with hips, um, then, you know, timing may be an issue that they need to look at a little bit better, but also having an understanding of what happens, what can happen throughout the performance. What if during the performance improvement plan, they, they really screw something up that you would normally, if they weren't on a PIP, you would just let them go. Um, you know, my performance improvement plans, um, have language in there that provides for you maybe let go. And in the middle of this is just because we've given you this period of time doesn't mean that, you know, that's, um, taking away that right for the employer to do that. But what if they get to the end of the PIP? Um, how I, I think it all goes back to how reasonable, like you're talking about Susan, um, and, and Camille on the timing and the words in there, because if you get to the end of the hip and you really can't measure or have some way to concrete say, Hey, this was reasonable. We asked you, asked you to, you know, meet these goals or standards and you haven't met them. If you can't measure that somehow at the end, then what do, what do you do? Right. So, um, what do you guys, um, thoughts, what are your thoughts on, on, how it ends. How do you, what do you do at the end of the pit? Well, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, Camille. I was like, again, it depends, you know, and you're also, here's, here's the other thing about pips that I'm going to let Susan answer what happens at the end, but you know, you also potentially, you, you may put an employee on the pip and that may prompt them to start looking for other employment. Like it could very well result in the employee just deciding that they don't want to stay and they leave. But many employees who feel like they have been given a fair PIP with measured goals that are achievable are going to be successful. And that's what you want. And so that's why it's so important that these goals be measurable and achievable for the employees so that at the end, you actually are having a conversation, hopefully a positive one. Um, but Susan, uh, how do they end? <laughs> well, generally... Um you want to, you know, meet with the, the employee, whether if you're, if you're having, uh, if you're doing that kind of incremental process where so many by 15 days, so many by 30, so many by 60, you would want to have had meetings with them all along. But then at the end of the PIP, you want to bring them in and, and talk to them, go over the results. Where did they perform? Where did they meet expectations? Where did they exceed? Where did they fall short? If they fell short on, on all expectations, this is the opportunity we're going to you know, let them go now, potentially. I mean, let's keep in mind there's we're talking about a PIP for an employee. We're not saying that there's not other issues that suddenly they've disclosed a disability or, you know, nothing like that. Right. So right. assuming that we just have an employee mm -hmm. 
you know, no discrimination issue or, or allegations, no harassment, no disability, nothing like that. Just an employee who needs to perform, doesn't perform, we can let you go at that time. If they do perform, then terrific. Great, you're doing a great job now. Do not forget the, you know, if you slide, we're gonna have to re revisit this. So let's not do that, right? Um, but if they, if they are just shy of the mark, you know, you can also extend the PIP and say, you're really close. If we want to give you that one more opportunity, let's do one more month of this or, or 15 more days or what have you. And, 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 you know, you can extend it. So there's a lot of things that you can do. You can do at the end when, when you're meeting with them. Um, what about, what, are, what do you guys recommend? Is that, is that generally how you work with PIPs? I, 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 I like that approach, Susan. I think that's great. I think, uh, I will say this, uh, in overall, like, and that, cause you made that point that some, some people use these as sort of a protection mechanism. And of course they can be used in, in ways to protect the company because you're giving this extra opportunity for the employee to improve right on whatever the issue is. But if you've done a ton of pips in your company, right. And no one has improved then you may need to revisit how you're writing these because um, as you you two ladies are nodding your head, um, there's a way to get them to actually improve, the employee to improve with these. And so they should be used as tools to uh, Eskimo said salvage or rehabilitate or, get, you know, because even though you want to think you're the perfect communicator, these pips should be super clear communication. You should, there should be no question at the end when Susan's talking about when you get to the end about, what they were supposed to do and whether they did it. And I, I, so that's kind of my thought on it. And I feel like um, there should be a measurable way that you, you know, you should see some success with some employees. It may not be enough, um, but I would, I like to see that there's, you know, some improvement or again, like Camille saying, they're looking for a job elsewhere. They maybe leave because they feel like it isn't a good fit for them. Um, or there's just a blatant, I'm not going to meet the, the needs of this PIP. And then, you know, okay, we've communicated so clearly to them of as to what our expectations were. And then they weren't, they either didn't have the skills to meet it, which is a possibility. And it wasn't a good fit from the start, or they just don't have an interest in trying to improve their performance at this position. What do you think, Camille? Well, and you may also get to the end and I'll use my sales example again. And you may realize that the salesperson who you believe is falling short, it's just their territory isn't going to allow them to meet those goals and you actually need to readjust your expectations. And so, you know, that also is something that should be worked through and communicated uh, with the employee. And that's why good communication during these PIPs is really important. That's a really great point, Camille. Yeah. That your expectations not being realistic, especially in sales. I see that sometimes. So, okay, ladies, I thought this was a, a great discussion on, on performance improvement plans. Uh, um, maybe um, one one thing that we like to talk about a lot, <laughs> but um, great way to, to learn how to communicate better with your employees and set those documentations that Camille loves. So uh, with that, um, I'll, we'll wrap it. Um, thanks for joining us today on 3Bs on the Law. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast of 3Bs on the Law. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast. We also welcome any comments. If you'd like to get in touch with us or suggest a future topic, you can email us at 3-T-H-R-E-E-B's on the law at gmail.com. And because we're lawyers, we need to remind you that this podcast is not meant to provide you with legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. 
Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.